Welcome to the Big Screen Symposium 2018 podcast. The Big Screen Symposium took place in Auckland on the 26th and 27th of October. Please note, while many of the speakers used clips in their sessions, we've edited these out to better suit the podcast. Premiering at Berlin in 2019, Vai is the second feature to come from the team behind groundbreaking 2017 film Waru. A collaborative anthology, the film brings nine Pacifica female writer-directors together to realise a story that follows the life of a woman named Vai as she travels across the Pacific. A film about empowerment through culture, we hear how these nine trailblazing women brought their visions to life. Our challenge to these nine filmmakers was to create a film that tells the story of empowerment through culture from the perspective of Pacific women. The script was developed during a five-day writer's retreat in May with all nine filmmakers. Pre-production took place in June and July, and through August and September, over the course of six weeks, we filmed on eight different islands in the Pacific, including both the North and South Islands of Aotearoa. On each island, the directors had one day rehearsal with a full crew, and one day to shoot. The majority of the lead cast were local to their island and were first-time actors. Here is a brief teaser. We are incredibly proud to introduce the filmmakers of Vai. Miria George, Marina McCartney, Diana Fuimana, Matasilla Freshwater, Orfa Gutenbeel Likiliki, Amberly Joe Oumua, Nicole Whippy, Sharon Whippy, and Bex Arahanga. Kia ora koutou, uh, ko Aotearoa te whenua, ko te waipainamu te pitua te kiriata, ko ruwaka te awa, ko Maui tiki tiki a taranga te tipua, ko waimuana te wahine, tihei mauriuro ki ngā kānui uha o wai ki poronihia piki mai kaki mai rā. Aotearoa is the land, te waipainamu is the umbilical connection to the film, Ruwaka is the river, Maui tiki tiki a taranga is the demigod, Vai is the woman, tis the breath of life to the sacred Polynesian feminine of Vai. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Kia ora koutou. Uh, ko Bex Arahanga ho, and I was chosen to be the Aotearoa director for Vai alongside these other eight Pacifica sisters uh, by our Vai mum and dad, Kerry and Kyle. When I was first approached about Vai, I had no doubt that I'd do it. It was a pull that was stronger than me, including stronger than my fears or doubts. Right from the start, I knew this waka was bigger than anyone in individual and it was my responsibility to do everything I needed to do to honour the story and its journey as well as the people rowing in the waka alongside me. Us women and the man, our dad, spent a week on Waiheke Island, first of all meeting each other for the first time and then bringing our stories to the table. It was an amazing week that was super challenging with heaps of sharing and tears, raucous laughter a sisterhood well and truly established, and the first draft of our feature film was written, as well as some pretty solid ideas for future films, so watch this space. I think we're living in a really exciting time where people are not just wanting more diverse stories and diverse people telling them they're needing it. We've been saturated with the Western point of view and with violence and stereotyping, with reality TV shallowness, that's my point of view. I know I don't want that, and I want to watch meaningful content and to be moved. I want my thoughts to be provoked and to look at new ways of doing things. The Me Too and Time's Up Time's Up movements are about giving people a voice and starting a larger and wider conversation. I definitely know those conversations weren't happening for me, 
or my mother or my grandmother's. And those are the issues we've been dealing with for generations, not to mention the social conditioning that has come from these traumas. Now there is more of a platform for people to be heard in its empowerment through empathy and through watching these stories through other points of view, including these Indigenous eyes, women's eyes. It's medicine. I shot my Vi film down in my hometown at an incredible magical place called Ruwaka, and more specifically at the Ruwaka source. It's where crystal clear freezing cold water emerges from under the Takaka Hill. And it's a Modi site as well as a Wahitapu Wahine site with sacred site for women. Uh, we used to give birth in those freezing cold waters. And so leading up to the film, I flew down home about three or four times. And each time I went and sat out there to ask permission of the land and attuned myself to the whenua. And then I went and visited with the Department of Conservation and told them about our film and got them on board. And then I met with the two iwi and they were awesome too and they jumped on board. Um, but what I found was really interesting is that even though it was a Wahitapu Wahine site, all the corridor was around the Mao Tupuna the male ancestors and um, there's no female tupuna at all talked about and so when we're walking through the site and the the iwi took us through and I said to the mana whenua woman who was walking us through I said hey sis where's our women's stories it's all about the male ancestors and she said interesting eh I think that's why you're here to tell our stories again no pressure I was like ah And so that's what we did. We did cut a care for everyone at the site and then a porphyry at the marae where the significance of what we're doing was told to us, specifically why we're shooting there. Uh, Ruwaka meaning the harbour for where the waka from around the Pacific will come to dock, which is what happened. An anchoring point for our film and our other stories to dock. We started each day with cut and then myself, the actors and Kyle all had a pude on the rehearsal day, which is we took our clothes off when we went in the freezing cold water and we submerged three times. And it was freezing, but it was just, it, we felt so connected and so alive and it was just, it was the middle of winter you know shooting in the Pacific with South Island in the middle of winter and then on our shoot day before we started we did a massive ceremony right up at the source so I'm not sure about the conventional style of filmmaking but for very but for me it's very much wairua and tikanga first and then we can make a film and because it's a film that reinstated the divine feminine and it brings ceremony through again so you know we have to do what we're meant to do and as far as I can see this is the time to do this I wasn't ready before now but I am now and I think the world is too it's medicine on a larger scale to take out to our peoples so we can watch and then remember in ourselves our cellular memory, our stories. It's partly my own testimony as an Indigenous woman living in this country, but it's also the testimony of my aunties and my grandmothers that were left voiceless. I just want to finish with the words of one of our staunchest Manawahine pioneers, Meta She said the revolution isn't just running out with a gun, it's the arts as well. And if a story I tell causes Māori people to feel stronger about themselves, I'm achieving something worthwhile for the revolution. Ngā mihi mahana kia koutou katoa. Kia ora. My name is Sharon Whippy and I'm Kailoma, born in Fiji, brought up in New Zealand and now living in Melbourne. And that's a photo of me, my mum and my sister on the steps of our home in Service Street, Suva, Fiji, which is where it all began for us. And uh, Vi was the opportunity for my sister and I to collaborate on the Fiji vignette, which is a story that is grounded firmly in our lived experience. And I wouldn't be standing here today if not for the journeys that the women in my family have taken, the blood, sweat and tears, the hard decisions they had to make. We don't come to this space lightly. We are fully aware of ourselves and our position to this community. I also know I wouldn't be standing here today talking if I hadn't been given the opportunity to take part in this project. So, Benaka. I am why 
Vi is important. The drive instilled in me since I was a little girl, watching the lives of my mother, my aunties, my grandmothers playing out around me and knowing the potency of their stories and the urge to tell these stories. The telling of my story shouldn't feel like a privilege, but it does. And it's not just the telling, is it? It's also about having the space to be heard and the power to shape my own identity as a Pacific Island woman. So Vi has brought us here where any talk of a zeitgeist today, a tuning into the spirit, needs to be open to some reprimand. Otherwise, we all run the risk of continuing to perpetuate that sinister dynasty that is the other. And we have been tuned into our stories forever. And Vi has given us a space to tell our stories our way. And even in this celebration, the question still lingers, why has it taken so long? The Writers' Workshop, which kickstarted our collaboration, where the noise was actually a gift, where the noise of our lives were kept at bay and where we could focus on building this narrative together. And we did. And I believe what we achieved in that time couldn't have unfolded so seamlessly unless it was done that way. We walked away from the retreat, as Beck said, each with the first draft draft of our scripts finished. I'm 46. I've been writing my whole life and I've faced different contexts where my writing has been examined and critiqued unpacked, but this is the first time I was able to sit with Pacific Island women, talented artists, share my work and not have to justify the space I occupy. Now that's not to say we didn't ask the hard questions, of course we had to, but we were the ones doing the interrogating. We know what waits for us and we knew the most important thing was we needed to be down with what we were doing. We needed to be rock solid. So our time together on Waiheke Island allowed us to build our vaka, forged from a bond that needed to carry us strong, hold us as we went back into the chaos of our lives and over the course of six months, continuing to work on the scripts, begin the plans for direction, location, casting, and also managing full-time jobs and looking after our families. Now, I haven't... (laughs) I've never laughed or cried as much as I did over those five days. Our Vi is a sum of her parts, complex and deeply considered. And the themes that run through the narrative define, connect and separate us, but a holy Vi. What I loved about this project as a storyteller is that our Vi is a multiplicity of existence across space and time. And for Nicole and I building our story together as Kailoma, we needed to make sure we maintained our connection to our story. It would only be grounded in our lived experience. It's all we had. And over the course of writing, if we were faced with decisions about the narrative, we'd come back to that source of truth. It didn't steer us wrong. It anchored us. It helped us maintain our course to this point and will continue to do as we move forward. It has been so reassuring that it seemed we were clearing a path that had always been there, And all we needed to do was to remember to stay on that path. I do admit I was apprehensive, really nervous about standing up here today to talk. Could I stand with these incredible artists? Did I have the right to speak? But my tuning point came for me when I realised my creative 
insecurities aside, that if I didn't speak today, if I didn't take the opportunity when it was offered, it would be one less Pacific sister up here speaking, one less Pacific female voice unheard when it should be, which wouldn't do anybody any good, not me, not my Fijian community, not any Pacific Island woman, and certainly not now. Vanaka. Here we go. Nisabula Naya Zongu Ko Niko Wipi. I was asked to direct Fiji Vai. Um, I'd never directed before, but um, I've spent 22 years on set and in front of the camera as an actor. Well, I'm actually known at my actor's agency as the actor that doesn't want to act. And what I actually think has been happening was that as an actor for hire, I've spent 22 years speaking somebody else's voice, representing someone else's stories. And as I've gotten older, I've realised I don't want to do that anymore. I'm slowly starting to take control of the work that I choose to do. I'm trying to find my own voice. It's only taken me 41 years. That's okay. In the meantime, I'm really pissing off my agent by not taking auditions, but that's fine. Look, I don't know if I'm always tuned into the zeitgeist, into the spirit of the age, into the times, and to everything that's influencing them. But thank God I was tuned in enough to know that as terrified as I was about stepping up and being one half responsible for representing Fiji, that this was too much of an important opportunity for myself, for my family, for women for Pacific Islanders and for Pacific Island women for me to say no. And it's amazing when you tune in to your inner voice and your truth, how things start falling into place and all these amazing happenings started happening that were leading me to help create the story way before we even had the story. So rewind to the beginning of the year. I had flown to Fiji already before I knew I was doing this about three or four times because I was working on an American production. I was acting on an American production over there. Fiji has a huge tax rebate for film. I think one of the biggest in the world and the Americans are all over it. And I really ummed and ahed about taking this role in this particular film because the character was Tongan. In fact, it was meant to be said in Tonga. But all the brown cast that came from New Zealand to play Tongans were Samoan or Fijian. It was not an easy decision for me to accept this role like it was when I was a younger actress and I was kind of ignorant to, um, you know, about cultural appropriation and especially when it came to my career, I always, you know, kind of took this idea that best actor should get the role. I mean, I was looking at Cliff Curtis as Obama or Rudy D as the Fijian Nana. Um, and I used to write for my ethnicity on my audition films when they'd say, what ethnicity you are, I'd write Pacific Islander. Little did I know that I would be back in Fiji later that year guiding a full Fijian speaking cast with three lead Fijian female actors led by a seven-year-old Fijian little girl at our childhood home in Suva. So many things, guys. It was really freaky. Like how we got the location, our childhood home that no one had been to in like 20 years. After the second coup, we had to move my grandmother to New Zealand and out of it. And yet in this moment of time, it was sitting there with nobody in it. This play. And we were like, can we have it? And they were like, and we were like, what? Yeah, it was, it was amazing. But actually, I just want to finish this off by talking about the casting of this film and what happened around there. Because um, as my sister said, we based this on our childhood.
childhood on a lived experience because we felt like we had to go to our truth and what we knew to represent what we knew properly. Um, and so for the casting, we thought we were looking for Kailoma, the in-between, they're known as part European Fijians. That's what I thought we were looking for so we could represent our story properly. Um, I also knew that casting was going to, going to be really important. I know enough about that through my acting. I know it can make or break a film. I know that some of my favourite actors, if they're not cast right, really suck. So I knew I had to take the time. I also knew I had to find a seven-year-old Fijian girl to lead a 10-minute one take over and over and over again in one day working kids' hours. So it was a big ask, three weeks out from the shoot. But I put the time to it. And so we tried to find um, the cast in New Zealand. And I actually opened it up because I just had this idea. I don't know where it was coming from, but I said to myself, look at Indigenous Fijian as well. Look at the Itokai Fijian. I thought the story might be bigger than us. Turns out it was. And um, so we looked in New Zealand at first. And what we found is that I couldn't get, even if they were Fijian speaking, I couldn't find the cultural nuances that I needed. So we moved to Fiji and we opened up the casting. It was glorious. And an amazing thing happened. <laughs> All these people turned up. Itokai and Kailoma, and they started saying to me, thank you for telling our story. Thank you for telling my story. And even, I even got, thank you for giving us a voice. And it was a tear-shed moment. I rang my sister in Melbourne. And I was like, oh my God, they're claiming it. And that's what we want. And it actually opened up the casting and we have an, a full Itokai Indigenous Fijian cast, which is just a beautiful thing to see. Um, in my producer's words, if the goal of Vi was to give voice to an underrepresented community and spark conversation about the empowerment of women through culture, then we absolutely nailed it in this process. And if the test screening last night was anything to go by, as I sat in on the Pacifica focus groups, we're not alone in feeling that. I'm so excited for you guys to see it. Fanaka vakalevu. Kia ora, I'm Amberly Jo Omoa, and I wrote and directed the New Zealand Samoa Perspective. I'm Ngāti Hoa Māori on my mum's side and from Tōmoa and Salilisi and Samoa from my dad's side. I'm also from and rap hard, Clendon and Manurewa. Uh, the Waivaha has been a reaffirming and relearning experience. When I was invited to apply for an expression of interest for Vai, I wasn't sure if I should. Um, I questioned my right to tell a story of a New Zealand Samoa Perspective. I think it was partly because some of the people in this industry and outside it silenced my voice and a confidence as a storyteller. I'm constantly being told that I'm not good enough because I'm a woman, I'm Māori and Samoan, and I'm from Clendon and Manurewa. So I leaned on my family and closest friends to help me with this decision. And then again, when I was asked to come on board to write and direct. Being with these amazing women and Kyle, they have nurtured and strengthened my voice. It's important, it's needed, and it's greatly appreciated. My New Zealand Samoan vignette is about Vaisia, a name, a wordplay on my, nana's, on my nana's middle name, going to university. I was inspired by the conversations we had again at, at Waiheke. I realised how much I bolted up inside of my experience at film school and that I wasn't alone. But I also thought that it wasn't a story worth telling on screen because it's common amongst Pacifica students to deal with discrimination and lack of support, etc. It's nothing new for us. This picture of me and my vibe asked me, how do I, as someone who is Māori and Samoan, navigate in a Western world with my culture? And I'm still trying to figure that out. It's also a great visual of how I felt at university and how I feel in some places, boxed in, contained, disconnected. And I really wanted to express that in my vignette. I also wanted to write a triumphant story because our Pacifica people, our youth, don't give themselves the permission to speak up. And in my real life story, I didn't. 
So this Indigenous filmmaking by process has been very self-healing. My story doesn't represent every Samoan experience at university in Aotearoa, but it is based on my experience as well as my friends who are of culture, and it's truthful for us. I hope the Pacifica youth see themselves in Vai and that it reflects some truth for them. I feel that this story is hopeful to every Pacifica student who is juggling all their priorities, taking care of their families, dealing with ignorant people, especially those in authority, and is still holding their head up high with a smile. I understand and I stand with you, as do your family and ancestors. Learning about who I am as a Pacifica woman and a storyteller is an ongoing journey, but I know I'm in the right direction because of the support system around me. I didn't always have that, and I don't think I would have had the courage to speak up about my vice story, again, if I didn't have the love and support from these women and Kyle. <laughs> as Pacifica storytellers, we need to understand the power of our stories and begin to tell them. And I just want to end things off with give yourself the permission to speak up. I think that is so important. Malo uh, kia thank you. So why am I here? Why am I amongst these beautiful brown faces up on the stage? Why am I a part of Vai? Let me tell you a story, which Kerry and Kyle is part of. So from last year, when I was creating my short film called The Black Pen in Tonga, I had to ask permission from the police uh, commissioner who heads the police in Tonga for permission to use police uniforms on my short film because I had two actors uh, who were acting Tonga police. And I sent him an email. By the way, the Tonga Police Commissioner is a white guy from Aotearoa, um, paid by New Zealand taxpayers' money. <clears throat> so in response to the email that I had emailed him um, requesting the use of the uniforms, this was his response. And I'm going to read some excerpts from his response. Offer, not even a dear offer. Offer, I have read the attached script and I must say that I'm very disappointed how the Tonga police are portrayed in your production. I would suggest your short film, which presumably has the approval of the Women and Children Crisis Centre, who I work for in Tonga, does not encourage women to report violence to the police, quite the opposite, which, which in my view, his view, the white guy from New Zealand, is a highly irresponsible and unprofessional position to take from a partner agency. Your request for police uniforms, police officers acting in the roles, and any other police involvement in this production is therefore declined. Like, what the friggin' go-go-nuts, man? <laughs> I'm not asking you to give me approval for my content and my story. I'm asking approval for the bloody uniforms. <clears throat> so... This was my turning point, right? And I think it's the closest as I can get to turning into this zeitgeist, even though I've got German ancestry. I can't even pronounce the word. Zeitgeist? Zeitgeist? I don't know. You see, I almost gave up on my film career because I moved to Tonga fresh out of university 18 years ago, trying to find my roots in Tonga um, for two years and then come back and write these amazing stories. And it didn't happen that way because 18 years later, I'm still in Tonga. And right now, I'm a women's rights activist. And I train um, communities across the Pacific on human rights, gender equality, and you know, upholding all the principles that we believe in. So I 
gave up on my dream. I'm going to tell you the truth. I even took up legal studies and I completed it. I was going to become a human rights lawyer. And then I met Kerry and Kyle. <laughs> and they gave me this opportunity to, to produce this short film. And I was at a place in my life where I said, this is either going to break my dream forever of becoming a filmmaker or it's going to make my dream bigger. And so that email from the police commissioner has made my dream bigger. And I'm here to stay. So yes, I made the black pen in frustration. I wanted to smash patriarchy in its face and what it's doing to all the women and all the girls in my life and those around me. And so I'm here with Vi, this beautiful brown woman, and you've heard of our experiences. While the powers that be continue to argue in Geneva, in Copenhagen, in New York about climate change and how much remissions countries agree to, don't agree to, and what we term in the Pacific as climate change tourism, donor agencies, international agencies, coming into the Pacific immediately after a natural disaster happens and telling the impact of climate change, our stories to the world, that pissed me off. Because I was right in there in the recent Gita cyclone that happened in Tonga and I saw how stories were being told. And that's my contribution to Vai. It's got a very strong climate change um, line through it and I'm not going to say any more. But that young girl there, she's a... Um, She's the lead character in my film. She plays Vai, and she lives and breathes my story. Everything that I write in my script, she's living it. And I don't think that we can get any other better actor than someone who's actually lived it and breathed it. And so my Vai, my story in the Vai, gives voice to the communities living in some of the most vulnerable natural disaster situations in Tonga and what climate change looks like for grassroots women and children. I wrote my 10-minute story based on the impacts of Gita and the resilience of women during post-cyclone Gita. And so I'm going to leave it there and hopefully you'll all buy a ticket and go watch the film. So I'm going to end here. So why am I continuing to tell stories? Why have I decided to continue to tell stories as a filmmaker? And I've got two recent reasons that I want to give you that's kind of just really got me up and kind of, you know, on fire. I have to call out two recent examples. First is the ugliness that has rooted my journey back onto this path. When a public statement was broadcasted, expressed by a senior journalist, News Talk ZB presenter, Heather Duplessy-Allen, when she said, quote, the Pacific Islands don't matter. They are nothing but leeches on us. The Pacific Islands want money from us, she said. And she even referred to Nauru as a hellhole. Like, shut the fridge door, man. She even went back unapologetic and said this, quote, I will double down on this. I do not regret what I said because I was not talking about people living in this, these countries or the people themselves. I was talking about the Pacific Islands <laughs> and the people who run it. I'll leave it to your interpretation. <laughs> this is against the backdrop of facts that New Zealand too benefits from the Pacific, and I'm not going to go into all the facts, but just to name a few, our trade policies are all in New Zealand and Australia's um, favour, yeah? Our aid money that comes to the Pacific, a large chunk of it goes to international advisors, international specialists coming in from Australia and New Zealand. So it's not a one-way stream. The second reason, what I'll finish off with, which really lit my fire, and it's kind of turning into this kind of, you know, <laughs> we want to tell these stories. 
is something that happened when the recent Mate Matonga games happened. I'm, I'm sure if you didn't watch it, it was kind of like a red sea in the stadium. And at halftime, DJ um, Al Guri, he's a, a famous Tongan DJ amongst the Tongan um, population here in Auckland, was in the production room and an NRL official was standing there. And while they were watching the Tongans, you know, celebrate in the stadiums, he said, dance, monkey, dance. How do you do Australian accent? Dance, monkey, dance. He was calling our Tongan people monkeys. And this is what we call vela ma fana. When we Tongans are happy, that's what we call vela ma fana. And if you, this NRL official, interpret that as monkey, or monkey, monkeys dancing, then watch this space because I've got more stories coming. You are not going to interpret what our joy is, what we heard earlier this morning. That is our tongue and joy. We will claim it and I'm claiming the space. I've got so many stories to tell. Yeah, can't follow that up, so that's fine. That's, yeah, we'll just, just lunge. You guys can call me Mata. Um, that's kind of the extent of my Roviana, which is my mother's language and I suppose what should be my language um, from the Roviana Lagoon and the Solomon Islands. But we are Kiso, so um, we're from the shark tribe. Yes, sharks. That's why I have cold, dead eyes, guys. This is what it is. <laughs> but yes, my mum's from the Solomon Islands. My dad's white from England. But he's one of the guilty white ones. I think that's good. I think we're all right with that, right? <laughs> that makes me kukukuru, which means mixed, um, which we have seen in different languages, heard in different languages. Um, so I'm very much a child of the Pacific diaspora. Um, like a lot of us in the globalised world, I think we all are who have family back home. Um, but I think significantly for people like me who are mixed, who feel like an inherent sense of being both um, at home and not at home, like the sense of connectedness and being displaced. So I think that's interesting in terms of talking about the zeitgeist, um, which I don't really want to talk about, so we'll just cover it briefly. Um, my <laughs> interpretation of it is this concept of being in tune with these intangible forces, these like social and cultural ideologies, right, that are like located in a time and space. So they're sort of, for me, they're contextualise and parenthesize these like moments in time and we can say this is what the zeitgeistus of that era and this is what the zeitgeistus of now. This is my action. Remember this for later <laughs> in the speech, I think. But like this isn't a concept that resonates with me, like it doesn't reflect my cultural identity um, and my perspective on the world. Um, nor my understanding of my place in the world. I think for many people of the Moana, our identities are already in tune with a collective. Like we saw, like these other women talked about, we have pepehas which tell a people of our place in the world, right? Like we define our identities through our relationship with our land, with our water, with our people, with our animals, with our ancestors. Um, so for a lot of people of the Moana, we orientate ourselves in the world. So we talk about... People of the Moana talk about our life journey as walking into the future backwards. I'm going to mansplain this to any of the Pacific people. So just, you know, feminism, we're allowed to mansplain too. So this is where the future is. It's behind us, it's the unknown. And what's in front of us is our past, is our present. And it exists in the same space. Remember that gesture, guys, it's coming back. So we literally orientate ourselves 
like in the complete opposite to a Pākehā or Western perspective. So I think that's really interesting. And so for me, the zeitgeist should be a Moanan zeitgeist and it should be ta and va, and particularly va for me and for making this film. So I'm just going to pull out my quotes. Albert went to... Defines, <laughs> defines VAR as the space between, the betweenness, not empty space, not space that separates, but space that relates, that holds separate identities and things together in the unity and all, the space that is context, giving meaning to things. <laughs> I think that's what the zeitgeist is trying to do, except I think TAR and VAR is a better concept for us to engage with it. And VAR specifically for me, it's not about defining these moments in time and space as these distinctive morsels, but it's about looking at connections of these intangible forces and how their meaning is given context through their relationship. And it's a segue because that's what VAR is, right? VAR has everything to do with my contribution to this film, not only because my cultural identity exists between islands and spaces, but it's also why we had a beautiful cast and crew on the water I think they got like two shades darker on shoot day, quite significantly, yeah. Sorry, Kiri. <laughs> my, my contribution tells of a 16-year-old Vi who's anchored deep in the lagoon and refuses to move, which means she's refusing to change, she's refusing context, and she needs to kick up the bump from someone from her past and present so she doesn't remain stuck in this in-between. Um, so Vi was my journey of creating this film, which is eight different and women playing... Oh, speaking eight different languages, filmed in seven different countries, playing one character, telling one story, connected by our differences, connected by our relationships, our culture, our water, ladies. I'm done. I'm clapping myself off. Fuck love here too. I'm Diana Fuimana. When I was asked to consider the prospect of creating a vai from New Air, I had a strong image of my village and the faces in it. I hadn't been home for three years and felt quite emotional about the offer as I've never seen a New Air film shot in New Air before. Just the offer itself was in my mind a phenomenal opportunity to raise the voices of the people back home who keep our culture, language and traditions alive. There are less than 1,700 New Aeans who live in New Air and 30,000 who live in New Zealand and across the globe. We are small in numbers and our language is one of the fastest dying languages in the world. Tuning into the life force of our Pacifica voices firstly required a reflection of all things said and shown about us through the medium of film. If you think about that for a moment, there has not been much and the small representations that have been seen widely have been through the eyes of male writer-directors. Um, I had worked in the theatre sector as an actress, producer, writer and director for over 20 years. Years. I know you find that hard to believe because I only look 22, but it's true. <laughs> In 1996, Makarita Orale wrote the first Pacifica play, Frangipani Perfume, written, directed, produced and performed by an all-Samoan woman team. I was fortunate enough to be part of that movement and in 1998 wrote and performed the first new wear piece of theatre using our language in the professional theatre scene with Mapaki. Both works exploring the psyche of the Pacifica woman in New Zealand and the world of fantasy. Shortly after the rise of Pacifica comedy came into full effect with our boys covering the naked Samoans and the brownies, there seemed to be a theme that shone through our storytelling in the 90s, and that was the ability to laugh at ourselves and to open the doors to our intimate moments so the world could catch a glimpse of the spirit of our humour and the love we have for our islands and our parents who came here for a better life. 
uh, not just a bad statistic. We have surpassed the stories of oppression and saw ourselves as beacons of light to Aotearoa and the world at large. Fast forward 20 years and I stand here with these gorgeous eight filmmakers making the only second feature film by Pacifica Woman since Sima Urale. Sima was in Frangipani as well. <laughs> but why is that? Uh, that's a question that people keep asking. Why is that? I believe, this is my own personal view, I believe the access we have to this industry is so limited. The many hoops one must jump and crawl through to raise funds, hustle, communicate, connect, and bring together a village that will support your vision is close to impossible. It's easy to say, well, Diana, most filmmakers have that experience. But when you look at the Pacifica female artists across film, theatre, music and visual arts, the majority of us are mothers or sole parents who are studying, working full-time jobs, taking care of extended families. But also we face prejudice on a daily basis, purely based on what we look like. I can say that because I look like how I look and it's my lived experience. There are many barriers that keep our dreams from becoming a reality, uh, reality, but the opportunity to make vai with these filmmakers has created an all-embracing vacuum where we have been sucked in and supported to make our stories a reality. My experience in Filmmaking is small compared to others in this room. But if this process is anything to go by, it truly works. Call us with the money, a creative team, and a schedule. This is what Brown Sugar Apple Grant provided. All I simply had to do was step up onto the platform and speak. No hustle, no barriers, no bullshit, just support, money, and guidance when required. If you're asking how we develop and support Pacifica females, here is one way. We are in a new era where we as Pacifica women have mustered a creative confidence that allows us to speak on our experiences in the world. We provide a generational wealth that consists of connection and love through our individual and collective voices. First, I'd like to acknowledge Ngāti Whātua, who gifted the land on which we stand, Te Pau Heringa Waka, the gathering place of all our canoes. It is because of this noble act that we're able to stand here today. When I first heard that we would be giving an address about our experience with Vai and how it related to the theme tuning into the zeitgeist, my first reaction was, what is the zeitgeist and how do I pronounce it? So I began exploring this concept, even discussing it with a philosopher, historian, anthropologist, colleagues of mine from the University of Auckland, where I teach. I've also discussed this theme with my vice sisters, and I increasingly found it difficult to connect to. So for my address, I'm going to speak to this disconnection. We know that the word zeitgeist comes from a German philosopher, and it combines two words, zeit, time, and geist, spirit. So spirit of the times. Another way of defining this concept could be the contemporary prevailing cultural atmosphere of the time. For me, this presents more questions than answers. And I asked myself, whose spirit? Whose time? Whose atmosphere? Whose views are considered mainstream? Prevailing? What is considered contemporary? For oceanic peoples, we have not been of the time. 
Historically, we have been relegated to the sidelines, to the margins, to a place outside the hegemony. And just like other indigenous cultures, our philosophies, thoughts, concepts, our very ways of being continue to be marginalised. When it comes to film or storytelling, oceanic storytelling is not new. We have transmitted our scientific, social, cultural, political and historical knowledge orally for at least two millennia. So how does this theme of tuning into the zeitgeist connect, or in my case, disconnect, from my piece in Vai? I am a New Zealand-born Samoan Geordie filmmaker and academic, and I was blessed with the responsibility of telling Sevai's story from a Samoan perspective. My piece presents a time in her life where she attempts to connect mind, body and soul and we explore this through ancestral spirituality, a belief that we continue to be connected to our ancestors, those who have passed on and that they have a place in our present. Therefore, the present is the past and the past is the present, not necessarily a contemporary view about a contemporary time. But I also ask myself, why do we continue to turn our gaze toward philosophical concepts from Europe when we could be shifting our gaze toward philosophical concepts from Oceania? The majority of our most financially successful and or celebrated films are made by either Māori or Pacific directors or contain Māori or Pacific themes. And yet, for example, the symposium's previous themes are exploring new ways forward, real vision in a digital world, the power of voice, strengthening our collaborative spirit, playing with risk, authenticity and pretense, and now tuning into the zeitgeist. And don't get me wrong, I'm really excited to be here, and I really appreciate the contribution that this symposium makes to our industry. But not one of these symposium titles references a Māori or Pacific-specific concept, or even word. So I find my, myself asking another question, why? When we hear the term Māori film, Pacific film, Indigenous film, Māori Pacific Indigenous filmmaker, these are not what we consider the norm. This is why we're labelling them as such. Otherwise, they would just be films or filmmakers. And yet one in four babies born in Auckland today are of Pacific descent. One in five babies born in Auckland today are of Māori descent. We are an oceanic nation. Therefore, our films, our Māori and Pacific films, should be the norm. Our Māori and Pacific narratives should be the norm. Our Māori and Pacific philosophies should be the norm, our norm. <clears throat> For oceanic cultures, one speaks of moving back into the future, revealing the belief that the past is not only intricately linked to the present and future, but merged with both. And if the zeitgeist is of the time and refers to a specific period in time, then my particular piece does not tune into this. It tunes away from this and into a past that is intertwined with the present and the future. Therefore, I propose we turn our gaze away from Europe, from the West, and we plant it firmly in Oceania. I propose a tuning away from the zeitgeist and a tuning into Oceania. And I want to finish with the words of one of our own philosophers and creatives, Tongan Apelehaufa, who was born in Papua New Guinea and is buried in Fiji. Oceania is vast. Oceania is expanding. Oceania is hospitable and generous. Oceania is humanity rising from the depths of brine and regions of fire deeper still. Oceania is us. 
We are the sea, we are the ocean. We must wake up to this ancient truth and together use it to overturn all hegemonic views that aim ultimately to confine us again. We must not allow anyone to belittle us again and take away our freedom. A kia ora nga koutou katoa i te aroa maata o tātou atua, tēnā koutou katoa i hui hui mai nei i tēnei rā. Ko Miria George tōku ingoi he uria hau no te aroa me Ngāti Awa me Ngāti Kukiaira nei. My aunt speaks with her mountain, a daily occurrence. She asks her mountain if there will be rain or if there will be sun. Her mountain answers her. My aunt carries the title Ara Iti Mataiapō. She longs for her mountain, her oceans, and the stars far overhead. Atuunga and Aretapu, her mountain, Ikurangi, watches over her faithfully. You could say Auntie Liz was tuned in to Ikurangi. At the foot of her mountain we sat, and I spoke to her of Vai. These conversations always wrestle because my auntie, like our mothers and grandmothers, have helmed fierce matriarchies long before the missionaries reached our shores. Female leadership in our cultures is not the exception. It is a norm. My auntie asked me why. She agreed with me. She disagreed with me. Despite my script and my storyboards, she would ask me question after question. And for every response that I could give her, she would find another question, one that I could not, one I had not yet considered, to both my humour and my dismay. Writing Vi, I was writing for my aunties, for my grandmothers, my great-grandmothers. I wanted to tell the story of women who had the courage and the fire to stand up for what they believed in, even if that meant defying the ones that they loved. The picture over here is from my village of Arurangi Rarotonga in the Cook Islands. It's right. It was taken on shooting day. It is of myself and Evitia Rose Araiti, my cousin, who, acting for the first time, was my vai. In Rarotonga, my uncle's words reminded me of our saying, e toto ki te toto, blood to blood connections. Vai is my first foray into film. I am a playwright and a theatre director. And my stories have always been told kanohi ki te kanohi, face to face with an audience. The, re- the relationship intimate and inescapable. A collective partnership that together you will journey. Like much of my art form of theatre, my cultures are collective by nature. And with my cultures, I have responsibilities. Tuning into the zeitgeist to me means tuning into the West. There are cracks in the Western way of doing things. The culture that has been dominant for so long is gripping tightly to its own mountains of individualism, capitalism, paternalism. There are other ways of seeing the world that have always existed. In every room at any moment, another worldview is operating. Vai throws open the door to a world that always was and always will be. Our ways of being and our technologies predate Western imperialism. Tuning out of the zeitgeist enables you to tune out of the West and to hear the many other voices, ones you may not have heard before, of Tangata Whenua, of Iti Kukiairane, of Iti Pasifika, the voices of Vainetua, of women, daughters, sisters, mothers, grandmothers. 
tune into the inua, into the moana, into the maunga, and you too may hear your mountain speak. In closing, I call upon the words of another writer and activist, Fa'inetua Arundati Roy. Her words, a karakia, a prayer. Our strategy should be not only to confront empire, but to lay siege to it, to deprive it of oxygen, to shame it, to mock it. With our art, our music, our literature, our stubbornness, our joy, our brilliance, our sheer relentlessness, and our ability to tell our own stories, stories that are different from the ones we're being brainwashed to believe. The corporate revolution will collapse if we refuse to buy what they are selling, their ideas, their version of history, their wars, their weapons, their notion of inevitability. Remember this, we may be many and they may be few. They need us more than we need them. Another world is not only possible, she is on her way. On a quiet day, I can hear her breathing. Nō reira tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa, tūturi whutiwhakamaua ki a tēnā. Haumie, huie, taikie. The Big Screen Symposium is brought to you by Script to Screen and Janda. We would like to thank our event partners, the New Zealand Film Commission, New Zealand On Air, Images and Sound, Screen Auckland and Stage and Screen Travel Services. Voiceover was provided by Samantha Dukes and music by Poddington Bear. Thank you.